Hey everyone, this is Matt with 420 Ministries. I hope that as you join us, as you listen to this Thursday night's teaching, as we continue on in our study of Hebrews, that you capture a revelation of Jesus's heart for you and what it means to enter the faith rest life found in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. I pray that as you listen to this, there would be a revelation that's woken up in you for one, everything that Jesus paid for, and because of everything that he has paid for, two, what he has now made available to you to be able to step into, to throw yourself upon, and find life and life more abundantly. And as a team, we bless you, we honor you, we are praying for you this week. Thank you for listening. If you have your Bibles with you, please open up to Hebrews chapter 4. Give me just a second. I'm going to get my notes out here too. But um, man, I was reading through, um, I was reading through this today, Hebrews chapter four, and it's, um, we're, we're going to be specifically in some sections talking about what it means to enter the Lord's rest. And I was looking into a little bit of some of the like original translation as to what Hebrews says, how it, how it has the truth coming across. And it's just, I mean, it's, 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 absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant. But there's something that I want to touch on right now that um, I spoke on it last week. We kind of dove into it, and then I didn't really get a chance to, like, settle down into it as much as I would have liked to. Um, I want to address something really quick before we go into the book of Hebrews, because something I need to point out and something that we have to remember is Hebrews, remember, it's a letter. It's, it's, not, it's not just a book. It, it was a letter written by, technically we don't know who it was written by, and really the way that we're teaching it is not even necessarily the way that we're supposed to go about even going through it. Really, if you were going to read Hebrews, you really should just read it from start to finish. It's kind of like an extended letter from the author to his, his church plant friends that have come out of Judaism into the new covenant of Christianity. So a couple of things to give you context. As we're reading this tonight, If you don't hear me and you don't view this through, you are already in the new covenant and you are already in Christ, this will not make sense to you and you will see this as something to strive into rather than to rest into. So first thing, it's important that if you are born again and you are in here, all the truths that we are about to present and discuss, you are in right now. You're you're in them. It's not to come you're not earning, you're not, you're not striving to get, you're in them, you are abiding them. You, you are in Jesus, Jesus is in you, and it is a yielding of your self-will, you're a yielding of self-righteousness into the righteousness that was purchased for you that you could never get on your own. If you are not born again and you're in here tonight, then the good news is that this is probably one of the best chapters for you to get to hear as an invitation to step into eternal rest. And then the second thing, I want to talk a little bit and mention this. We're not going to land in this and stay very long. I want to talk about unbelief for a minute because chapter four is not going to make sense unless we understand the, the unbelief that is in chapter three that kept the Israelites from entering into the promise of God's rest. I was sitting with the Lord um, recently and I was asking him, Lord, um, what do you do with unbelief? How, how, do you, how do you fix unbelief? 
And as I was sitting with the Lord, I, I felt the gentleness of the Lord speaking in that moment and say, Matthew, unbelief is not something to be fixed. Unbelief is something to be healed. Unbelief is something to be healed. Unbelief is not, oh, well, that's just too far outside of my grid of understanding. I'm not, I'm not talking about being challenged in your faith. If you're, I, I don't care if you've been following the Lord for a year or for 50 years, you, you are still going to be challenged in your faith every single day. And there's still maybe things that come up against you where you turn your head and go, man, really? That's like, that is, that is not in my theological grid, my theological box of understanding. And that's a beautiful thing because if you have everything about him figured out, then that's not really impressive. I, I, I'm, I'm not, it's not cool to bow down and worship a Lord that fits into your understanding. Because when was the last time we really honestly understood anything? And if we are called to lean not on our own understanding, then your own understanding is not a great place to set up home and to set up shop in. Amen? And unbelief is not just, I, I'm, I, 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 I hear truth, I hear something and just say, that's, that's just, that's not for, oh, I'm sorry, I, I messed up the way I wanted to say that. Unbelief is not hearing something and just saying, that's not for me. It is hearing truth, and as we're about to learn in just a minute, not accepting that in faith of saying, hey, this is actually for me. And it's, it's almost like saying, hey, that is for everyone else. It is not for me. I don't, I don't get to have that. It might be true for some people, but it's not true for me. And, you're, and, and, and you, you give up because of what righteousness says you can have. You, you forfeit it. I'm not, I feel like I'm not doing a good job explaining this in the way that it's coming into my head. We don't allow our faith to teach truth to work for us. Ultimately, we allow our feelings to do that. Truth has to teach your feelings to work for you. And whether something is true or not is not a matter of whether I feel that it's true or even, even if it's like, okay, well, let me measure this up against history and see how it's true. There comes a point in time of where you lay down the consideration of your own life. You surrender your understanding unto the Lord. And personally, I will just say, the, this, this does not need help bearing any fruit. God, God's word will not return void. God will get glory whether he wants or not. God can get glory through a talking donkey and, and through, through a, a coin in a fish's mouth. It's how, how much are we willing to surrender to the message that is presented in this word? How much are we willing to yield to that? It's the difference of there's a reason as to why someone can come into a service, experience and enjoy the Lord. Incredible things are happening around them internally, all of that. And then someone else that's thinking about groceries, laundry and work the next day. And they're sitting right next to each other. One person has taken their faith and attached it to a moment and the other person has disengaged their heart completely and just looked at the outside in and poked at it maybe with a stick and said, yeah, I really don't know. And at some point in time, there, is, there has to come a point of where I, of where I lay down my understanding and say, 
Many of what, many of, must, most of what's written in here is not going to be for here. It's going to be for here. It's not going to be for my head. It's going to be for my heart. That's the reason why we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I've oftentimes heard people say, well, living from your heart is reckless, careless, and irresponsible. And, and, I, and I, can, I can see the argument in that, and I've, I, we've talked in past weeks about there's a difference between just living flaky, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. But the book of Proverbs says that we are to guard our hearts, for from it flow all of the issues of life. You keep your heart pure, you keep your heart safe, you keep your heart tender, you keep your heart as a healthy environment for truth to marinate to the degree that you freely lay it down in surrender to the Lord. And guys, I will tell you, there's, there's a lot of things, especially in this season of life, that I, I do not understand. I do not understand. I don't know why certain things happen the way that they happen. I, I don't know why. There, there, there have been things in my life of, Th th things that to this day bother me that I did not see breakthrough for and I'm literally left to chalking it up to, Lord, your hands are made to hold this, not mine. Why is it that when we're in a service, we're praying for people to get healed, there's all these different people that get healed, one right after the other, one right after the other. A father is carrying his son who has literally drool coming out of his mouth because of a severe brain injury and, and seizures that he has going on and says, pray for my son that he would be healed, lay hands on him, pray for him for I don't even know how long and there's no breakthrough. You continue on down the line and the next person is healed. I don't have answers for that. I, I, have, I, I don't have answers for that. I don't have answers for the person that's maybe been praying for breakthrough, whether it's a pregnancy, whether it's a promotion, whether it's, um, a, a family member to get saved. And it happens for one and it doesn't happen for the other. I, I have no idea. But what I refuse to do is take my knowledge of the goodness of God, sacrifice it on an altar of human reasoning so that I can have an answer for a seemingly unanswered prayer. And I don't have anything like sexy or flashy and how to make that sound better, but it just, you just get to a point in time where there's a zero tolerance policy of where it's like when I'm getting sifted by life, there, there's certain things that are non-negotiables. There's, there's certain things that are non-negotiables for me. I will not go past, I will not break past the goodness of God, the inerrancy of this word, the sovereignty of his spirit and the lordship of him in my life. I will not go past those things. And if you go past those things in your pursuit of truth, I'm sorry, you're in idolatry because you're, you're trying to rebuild him in your own image. Israel forfeited the biggest inheritance package ever. They, they had the opportunity to, to experience a New Testament reality before the New Testament even began and they forfeited it because of Simple unbelief, simple, uh, you're not as good as you say you are. Well, we don't really want it this way. We've come out of Judaism. We'd like steps one, two, and three. Teach us how to behave. Teach us how to act in a certain way. And then we will accessorize you to our lives rather than source you to our lives. We will have a God of our understanding rather than taking our understanding, surrendering, and yielding it. 
And the Lord looks at them and just says, as long as you desire to be in the driver's seat, you cannot be where I'm taking you. <clears throat> Hebrews 4, this is, this is absolutely brilliant. Now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. Everyone in here say experience. If we, there's a, Eric Gilmore says it this way. He says, if we take experience out of our relationship with Jesus, all we're left with is a good idea. And we get really like turned off by like certain words in, in, the, in, in Christian faith today simply because of maybe some negative connotations that are attached to that. It's like, all, all, like you use the word prosperity, for example, and all of a sudden people think that you're going out and buying airports and jetliners and like all of a sudden, like if you don't drive in a Rolls Royce, you're not faithful to God. Like, that, like, like if you don't think prosperity is a part of the gospel, go ask Abraham what he thinks about that. Go ask Solomon what he thinks about that. Trust me, there, there, there's, a there, there's a line between the demonic and the perverted and the holy and the righteous. Experience in the life of the believer is vitally important. It's vitally important. What I'm not saying is I come into a service, I come into a gathering. If I did not feel something, if someone did not come up to me and give me a word, if I... If I came in and left feeling exactly the same, God was not there, like it, it didn't work. It, it didn't work. Or man, I just, um, I'm not really getting fed there at that church. I'm not really getting fed there at what's going on. So I'm gonna go find someplace else if maybe where they scream a little bit louder, they jump a little bit higher and these things are tailored a little bit differently. And again, this goes back to truth teaching our feelings to work for us and not against us. But I will tell you this right now. When Jesus revealed himself to me and ended a lifelong struggle of substance abuse and drug addiction, it was not because he came to me and said, Matthew, gird yourself up by your bootstraps and just let's try to be better. There, there was an experiential reality that manifested itself in my life that was me tasting of the real reason that I was alive and tasting and seeing that the Lord was good and recognizing if this is who you are, I will never need that again. I will never need that again. And I'm officially into double digits of not looking back onto that promise that I made of, 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 of sobriety and cleanliness. Yeah, that is, praise God for that. But trust me, it had nothing to do with I'm going to, I'm going to discipline myself better. I remember one time I was, I was in a, getting ready to go on a mission trip and I, was get, I had to go get a physical for this specific place we're in. So the doctor's doing the physical and he's looking at my medical record and he said, hey, I see these weird things on here from your medical records. Can you explain some of this stuff to me? And so I told him, oh, well, this is from this and that's from that. And yeah, like this is why that's showing up. And he was like, oh, that's really interesting. So, so what keeps you from using every day? So what, what, what keeps you from using? And I was like, and, and I didn't say what out of being like snarky. I said what out of I genuinely didn't understand the question. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, well what's like, what keeps you from, 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 from not going back to that stuff every day? And I was like, bless you. 
And I was like, I don't, I don't really know what you mean, man. And, and, and trust me, since day one, I've had constant accountability, constant accountability in my life, constant accountability. And uh, someone that is a phone call away, a minute away at any time of day. That's just, in my opinion, that's not a crutch. That's just called maturity. And that's just called discipleship. But I looked at him and I just said, dude, I don't know what you mean. All I know is that the blood of Jesus came into my life. We were singing it and declaring it tonight. Clay said it as we were going into communion. I said, the blood of Jesus came into my life, delivered me and set me free. And I haven't known drug addiction for years. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> he didn't really know what to say to that. He just said, okay, we're just going to go on with your evaluation. <laughs> but still, I thought it was pretty awesome. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. Experience is vitally important in the marital union with Jesus. And not trying to be weird and not trying to be crass or crude in any way. I saw my wife, I noticed her beauty and I couldn't wait for the time that I got to be with her and experience her in an intimate way. If that is uncomfortable, if we don't talk about sex in the church, the world will try to define sex for us. And that's the reason why we've got girls thinking they're boys and boys thinking they're girls. If we remove it from here, we will let them define it out there. And you wonder why our kids have an identity crisis. A man has a penis, a woman has a vagina, and they were made to come together. And if you feel weird about that, then that's part of the problem. So let's just, let's say it and let's put it out there. Let's be mature and let's be adults about it. Fair enough. God looked at man. God looked at woman in her nakedness and said, it is beautiful and good. And when I saw my wife, it wasn't just, yeah, she's, she's pretty nice. I'd like to sit in a room and sit across for seven years and just talk to her. No, there was a connection that we waited appropriately for it to happen. Experience was part of our marital union. It is part of our marital union. When Jesus says, I desire that they might know me, that word gnosko is the same way that a man intimately knows a woman. It's, it's so offensive to the religious mindset. It's ridiculous. I desire that they would know me. And we say that experience is not for the Christian life. Experience is what saved my life, praise God. Experience is what saves your lives every day, praise God. That was really heavy, really quick. Are y'all still with me? We're all still on the same page? Good. Yes. So I remember, I don't know when this was, he's kind of said it a bunch of times, but um, Clay at times before prayer sets, he's prayed this a lot. And, um, but there, there have been times of where we've come into a prayer set or maybe it's been like during a service. Um, and thank you for asking this, by the way, this is all, this is why we have nights like this um, to unpack questions like this as a community. Um, and Clay has just said, Lord, and, and he, he's, he's maybe prayed his own version of it, but the Matt General translation of it was like, Lord, if, um, even, if, even if we don't see you, sense you, touch you, or feel you, you, you were worth it tonight. You were worth it tonight. And that has become, I would say, a mantra as his, of his life that I've stolen and said, hey, that's really good. I'm just gonna take that from, from my own life. And oftentimes, there may be times 
that the Lord comes into the room and wants to teach you the love language of physical touch. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I, I, could, I could drown and I could melt in this right now. I could, like, I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. There may be times he walks into the room and he wants to teach you the love language of quality time. I'm not gonna touch you, I'm not gonna say anything to you, I'm gonna sit down right next to you and know that I'm here, I've promised that I'm here because I've said I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Words may not be spoken, touch may not happen, but I am here. My word says that I died to prove it. There may be times that he comes into the room and wants to teach you through the love language of words of affirmation and all of a sudden you, you, you can't write things down fast enough. I see T Taylor moves through this beautifully, in my opinion, all the time of just like, I, I can't write things down fast enough. I, 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 can't, I can't get pictures fast enough. There may be times of where the Lord comes into the room and someone just walks up to you and says, hey, I don't know why, I've, I've seen this happen so many times. The Lord just told me to walk up to you and give you 50 bucks, 200 bucks, $1,000, like here. And the Lord may just be wanting to manifest themselves to you in the way of, through, through, through gifts and just through giving you a gift. Maybe you don't sense anything, you leave, man, my back feels, I could not move this before, my knees, my back feels better, I, I came in with a headache, I'm leaving clear-headed. Maybe the Lord came into the room and he just wanted to lavish his love on you through an acts of service and healing you through some way. I am not responsible for the way that the Lord comes into the room, but I am responsible for the way that I am aware of him. And, 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 and what I mean by I'm responsible for the way that I am aware of him is that when the Lord comes into the room, which he always does, and to think that he wouldn't is, is, the, is for the Lord to deny his very own word. Because the Lord says he's enthroned on the praises of his people. We, as soon as you start th singing, thank you, Jesus, the red carpet is rolled out and, 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 he, and he comes marching in. And even that's not even really theological appropriate. We walk into the room and he's waiting. He's waiting. I don't mean to keep pointing you out, Nathaniel, but it's just because it's so fresh on my brain. Nathaniel was talking with me one day. We were at this park walking and he's like, have you ever thought that the presence of God, it's not so much like we're, we're getting it to come, but it's already there and we're waking up to the awareness of it. And it was, and he said that, and I stopped and I was like, dang, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I've thought that, but I've never thought that. And then the last practical thing I think is learning to steward the smallest sense that we get. There, there have been times almost, it's like you come into the room, you're waiting to engage the Lord, and maybe you sense him and sometimes it's like a brick on the head. It's just like, boom, like the Lord is here. He wakes you up, snaps you out of something. Other times it's as light as like a feather across the bridge of your nose or a, a small breeze through the room. And you're like, man, is the Lord here? Like what's, what's going on? And the attention that I immediately shift and give to that and steward the measure that I'm given, the Lord will, 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 will generously pour out more. And so... Sorry, you get me talking on that topic and I could talk on it for a while. But it's, it's almost like um, the, the thread of a sweater. The more I pull on it, the more I get. I'm, I'm paying attention to what's the Lord doing in the room? What's, what's the Lord doing in the room? And, and I'm not describing the love languages like the Lord is, is he could come in all five of those if he, if he wanted to. He could, he could come in none of them. But I think it's, it's learning 
to cultivate an awareness of the Lord is here because he, he has told me he is here. His, his, his written word lives to testify against his spoken word that I will never leave you and never forsake you. So in a very limited scope, does that kind of answer, kind of answer the question? Okay, that was awesome. Thanks for asking that. Yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get through all this, but that's okay. I kind of had a feeling that we weren't. For we have heard, that, I'm in verse two, by the way. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. By the way, anytime it says they or it's, it's like a past tense audience, it's put, put Israel in there, the people of Israel, the people that were led out of Egypt. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. And in my Bible, that is a capital W. So it's not just in the word, I'm speaking words right now. They did not join their faith to the person that was being offered to them, a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ in that moment. They did not accept it. He came to them and they knew him not. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply for they doubted. For those of us who believe faith, activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest for he Yahweh has said I was grieved with them and made a solemn oath they will not enter into my rest God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world for it says in the scriptures and on the seventh day God rested from all his works and again, as stated before, they will not enter into my rest. Verse six, those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. Verse seven, for God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today, not tomorrow, not to come right now. This faith rest is offered for you to step into. For it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words. If only today you would listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts. Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience. There it is again. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. So then we must be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. That was a huge chunk. Let's smash this down into, into a, into a bite-sized portion real quick. Specifically, oh, just kidding. Specifically in verses 11 and 12, in, in, I'm sorry, in 10 and 11, 
in many translations, if you're reading out of the King James Version or the New King James Version or the New American Standard, it's probably gonna say something like, let make every effort to enter, or even it might say, strive to enter, or it might say, um, with vigilance, enter, make every effort to enter this rest. And what's super interesting about this is we have this super paradoxical language of where God is essentially saying, hey, make, make an effort to work to not work. And you're like, wait how, wait, how am I supposed to make an effort to not make an effort of entering into works that don't belong to me? Like that, that doesn't make sense. How, how am I supposed to strive to enter rest that doesn't belong to me, but you're telling me to strive to enter the rest? It's like, it's this whole like whirlwind of, of confusion. But here's what we have to understand. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. So then, so then what? We must be eager to experience this faith rest life, which is what? The celebration of his finished works from which he rests from. Let 10 interpret 11 and 11 interpret 10. So that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. What this is saying is saying, hey, your efforts, your works, your, as, as many times as, as you've, you've heard me beat this drum until I'm, I'm blue in the face, your efforts of self-righteousness, a desire to be righteous outside of the embrace and outside of the finished work of Jesus, do not trust in your own works, but by faith in the Son of God and his finished works, you enter this rest. This, this, this is a matter of faith. Who are, who are we talking to again right here? We are talking to people that came out of Judaism where the conversation of grace saved simply by faith is so foreign to them, it's like teaching someone German that has only ever spoken Spanish their whole life. The, the, the author is introducing such a new kingdom concept for them. He's trying to say, hey, what you once knew was saved by your works there is no rest in this. Cease from your own works. Cease from what you have done and, in, and enter into the faith rest life because of your faith in the finished work of the Son of God. And by that and by that alone, you find that your own efforts are disqualified in the kingdom and the only hope that you have is to surrender into something that was done for you. Herein lies why Jesus can say his yoke is easy and his burden is light. <clears throat> A friend of mine named John Richards says, human effort is the enemy of sonship. The first time I heard that, I didn't like that because I just was like, man, well, dude, that sounds really good, but I don't know if I agree with you. <laughs> and the more that I read Hebrews, especially in chapter four, I realized it stares you in the face and you cannot get past it. There is no room for your works to make it through the torn veil to be pinned up upon the body and tortured face of Jesus. To do that would be a very blasphemy of what he came to die and do for you and to reveal to you. What am I saying? Am I saying, okay, well, this just means I shouldn't try. I can do whatever I want. I can live like a heathen and it doesn't matter. We've, we've missed the point entirely. 
when it does say make every effort to, there is a conscious awareness that I have to make every day of recognizing where the old self ended and where the new self begins. That comes down to a choice in you, of, of your heart, of your mind, to appropriate, as the word would actually say, to consider yourself dead to something and alive to something else. That is a choice of your will. The Lord will not grab your will by the collar and force it down to his feet. That is a reckoning, that is a choice, that, that, is, that is 100% on you. The Lord will not abuse you into submission and the Lord will not punish you into purity. He will invite you and entice you with the sweetness and goodness of his person to where ultimately I believe you are left with no other option than to fall flat on his face. In, in the book of Revelation, John, his best friend, the disciple whom he loved, leaned against him at their final meal. When he sees him in his resurrected state, it's not like he runs up to him and like bro hugs him and they, and they hug it out. He, the word says he fell down as like dead before the Lord, as like dead before him. He spent like the, the, the best portion, the best couple years of his life with this person. It's because he saw him and he knew there was nothing of him that could remain. I want to encourage you in this is that in, in the new covenant life, the rest that you are invited into, I don't, this was, it was a couple Wednesdays ago, um, a, a while back. We, we went into this moment of where we were singing, Jesus, we thank you and hallelujah that it does not depend on me. It does not depend on us. And I think we sang that like over and over and over again. And it was amazing. And it took me about like the 100th time of us like banging it out on the drums, singing it out on the instruments. And whoever was leading that day, I just remember the phrase that it's like, oh my gosh, it, it, it really doesn't. The pressure is off of me. It, it has actually, it, it has been done. It's, it's, it, it really, it, it is finished. I get to rest into something that was accomplished, paid for, and purchased for me. Okay, well then, what do I do about sin and struggle and downfall in my life? Sim simply put, simply put, bring it to the feet of Jesus and meet him and find him there. I don't, I don't have any, anything, anything else practically other than that. Bring it to the feet of Jesus and meet him there. Because oftentimes, what I continue to struggle with in sin is ultimately just me failing to see his goodness and kindness and gentleness in my life that would even still make something still look so appealing. And I don't have a sin problem, I have a sight, I have a sight problem. And I need to begin to see him differently. This is why Hebrews much later says we are transformed by looking at him. Your behavior will follow what it is that you look at. Is that making sense when I say that? And what the author is trying to communicate here to this, to, to this former Jewish audience that has passed through the torn veil and is, and is working their faith out with fear and trembling, trying to wrestle this thing out, is he's trying to say, open your clenched hands, 
drop your burdens, come running to a Savior that was broken for you, and simply give in. And, 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 and literally, that is the definition of success. Learning to live into a life that was paid for you and given to you. And what's sad is I think that in, in the most noble of desires, we reinstitute the fulfilled law all the time. And then we mask it as spiritual discipline, spiritual discipline, spiritual discipline. Nothing wrong with that phrase. It's a beautiful phrase. But if your spiritual discipline seeks to try to have having you putting you into a place of earning rather than resting in what has been given to you, you've missed inheritance because you can't earn inheritance. You can only rest into it because inheritance, you didn't do anything for it. It's freely given to you. And oftentimes what I am guilty of is refashioning and remaking a Christianity that boils down to and, and resembles an old covenant life rather than honoring the suffering of Jesus because he died to give me a new covenant for which I walk into and he doesn't say get to work. I walk into and he says lean upon me and I will work. I forget who it is. There's, there's a super, super old Christian author. I'm forgetting her name right now. It's, it's written, if I was to scroll through my journal, I would find it. And she says, God is not looking for those whom will work for him. God is looking for those through whom he can do his work through. He can do his work through. And then all of the work that you do actually comes as a result of co-laboring and an overflow and extension of love and romance for him because I can't help but have that spill out into my life. Does that make sense when I say that? Awesome. You were created for good works in Christ Jesus, 100%. But don't think for a moment you get to take the badge of honor from your works and parade into the gates of heaven like you've earned something. You will never receive or earn anything as high as the Son of God was tortured and wounded for you. That is your highest prize and that is your highest reward. And when we treat it any way different, any other place different, we have actually entered into unbelief where we forfeit the gospel for ourselves. Is this making sense? Awesome, all right, stand to your feet with me tonight. Like I said, we did not get through all of it's 9.02 right now. We didn't get all through all of um, Hebrews chapter four. I, I knew that we weren't going to, especially, um, especially talking about this, this topic tonight. It's just, it's, and it's also, I personally believe that Hebrews chapter four is, is pivotal for the whole entire rest of the, of the book. I, I think that we have to make sure that we are um, viewing the book of Hebrews through chapter four, the rest of the time that we're reading it. Otherwise, it's just, it's, it's not gonna make sense or it'll just be really confusing. If you came here tonight and there's anything that you want prayer for, there's anything that you need prayer for, if there's something that, that you came here, you're, you're, you're wanting um, healing for, maybe it's healing in your body, maybe it's, hey, I would really just like someone to pray for me. I just would like a, just... Like, I just would like to hear what the Lord thinks about me. I just would like an encouraging word. Come up to the altar here. Don't, you don't have to go looking for someone. 
Um, we specifically don't have a ministry team come up at the end because we don't want you looking to an individual. We just want you focused on the Lord. Someone will see you up here. They will come up to you and just, just come up here, focus on him. And we won't leave you standing for an awkward, awkward length or awkward amount of time where you're just standing here staring at the floor. But if you need prayer tonight, please don't leave having needed that or having being in need of that. But can we just, will you bow your heads in prayer with me as we close this out? Jesus, I feel like we could talk about this for the rest of our lives and even still we would not scratch the surface of just, of how, honestly, of how ridiculous it is and how outrageous it is. I so badly need a revelation of everything that I think that I know. I, I, it's, it's not even funny. I read this and I'm just like, I don't even think I actually know this because as I'm saying it, I'm looking at areas of my life that have yet to pass through this very truth that's coming out of my own mouth. So how badly I need a revelation of what I already think that I know. And Lord, I, I pray that you would rewire our belief system specifically for what healthy experience with you looks like. You are the goal. You are the prize. You've promised me, you've promised us, your church, that you will never leave us and never forsake us. As Faith was singing tonight, no one in here is orphaned, and you long and desire communion with us more than we long and desire communion with you. That is a non-negotiable truth. I will not go past that point. I will not, I will not allow my faith, my reason, or even any struggle that I may have with unbelief in my, in my area that I'm learning to walk through right now, it does not get to go past the point. No, he's promised, he has said, this is his word. He is with me, he will never forsake me. He has promised to always be good. He has promised to always be faithful. And he has promised that every single one of his promises are yes and amen. And I will not go past that point. I'm putting my anchor in the sand and I am not moving from that. Come what may, I will not move from that. Holy Spirit, if you do not lead us, if you do not hold us, if you do not carry us, then we are lost eternally and miserably. So we throw ourselves to you in mercy that you would lead, hold, care for us, and guide us how badly we need it. Jesus, I thank you for everyone that is here tonight as they leave here, as they get in their cars, as they drive home, as they wake up in the morning the first thought on their brains would be, the first thought on their minds would be, I was made for him. I was made for him. And even just by simply giving that attention to you, we'd be like, there it is. There's the experience of the Lord, boiling it down to a matter of simple attention. I've given him my attention. Let experience start there. I probably should have just answered it that way. Let experience start there. It begins with a matter of simple attention. He is abiding and never leaving. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you that you let us be here with you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.